Turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, that can be found on page 671 in your Pew Bibles. We're going to take a break the next couple weeks to look at Proverbs 3, the first 12 verses, Proverbs 3, 1 to 12, with special attention these next few weeks to verses 1 through 8. Tonight we're going to look at the first four, verses 1 through 4. I actually did this text as a chapel at Providence, and I wanted to go through it in depth with us here, so we're going to take a break from the Belgic and look at wisdom. Look at the wisdom of God and how we should apply that to our hearts. We'll look tonight at what is the understanding, the instruction, the intelligence and knowledge that is required in wisdom, among other things. Before we read the first 12 verses of Proverbs 3, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you to read your word and to read a section of your word from what is wisdom literature, from your word that gives us a direction to follow. We pray that you would give us wisdom as we seek you, and that we would find you, for you are the God of wisdom, you are wisdom incarnate. And we pray for this wisdom to be ours, that we would be of greater use for you and for your kingdom. We ask that we would approach your word with reverence and awe, because we approach you. We pray that we would see in your word the truth, that you are a God of might, of grace, of mercy, of power, the God who is our Savior, who we long to serve. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 3, the first 12 verses, focusing on verses 1 to 4. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary by, of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Ascends the reading of God's word. Verse 4 of our text says, So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. If I were to ask this question, who of us would like to find favor and good success in the sight of God and man? No doubt we would all respond, well, I would. I would certainly like to find that favor and good success. Proverbs is nothing more than a manual for this success. Proverbs is giving us the direction, the pathway to follow the principles of God and his word that he would have his people conduct themselves according to. This is the way of wisdom. We say wisdom. What is wisdom? How profound is wisdom? You know, there's a lot of knowledge in the world. You can go on your phone, you can go to the computer, you can type in anything in a search bar and up will come just pages and pages of knowledge or facts. We can turn to books and go into a library and at our fingertips is all the knowledge really that man can at least possess. But is there wisdom? 
You see, there is plenty of knowledge around. There is seldom wisdom. What I hope we would hear tonight, particularly the the youth and the young people here tonight, would set themselves, as our passage says, to the instruction of a father to a son, to set their ways wisdom. To set your intention and your path on what is the true and right way, what is pleasing, what will bring you, as verse 4 says, favor and success. We will look at power to view it. But to understand that wisdom, first of all, though our our point this evening is to say wisdom takes knowledge, I want to start first by, by distancing the two and saying wisdom itself is not knowledge alone. Knowledge alone doesn't make you wise. And unfortunately, we live in a world that seems to prize knowledge but ignore wisdom. Often the way we educate ourselves, often the way that we train our children in, in schools and in these ways is to, to pump them full of facts. Remember these facts, remember these dates, be able to pass this test, be able to answer the multiplication question, be able to give your multi-choice answer, circle the right, fill in the box. And, and it's a grand desire to understand who they know is their knowledge. And that's a worthy pursuit. It's a necessary pursuit. And yet it falls short of the true purpose of Proverbs. Proverbs is not content merely with knowing. Proverbs would have knowing be applied. Proverbs would have there be action. Knowledge in and of itself does us no good. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to take what we know and apply it. Then we may as well and might as well not even know it. This is how Proverbs corrects our, our thinking and how we are to search this. And this is why I especially direct this here at the youth. We have a perception in our culture that in our society would, would, would expect you to, for a time, be rather immature. To be rather silly. You can go through your time of immaturity. You conduct yourselves the way you want. And you'll notice that, that our consideration of what is an adult just sort of keeps getting pushed further and further Is it 16? Is that an adult? Well, not really. Is it 18? Somewhat. Is it 21? Maybe. Is it 26? No. Maybe now it's 30. And we kind of just keep saying, when is is the adulthood? When is the age of maturity? You see, we shouldn't be content with that, particularly you young people. God's word does never legitimize a, a sowing of wild oats, period. A time to conduct yourselves in immaturity. God's word always presents to us, grow, mature, be wise, be honorable. Be worthy of the mantle you have taken up as a Christian, as one who professes faith in Christ. And Proverbs then is that manual for us to live and to pursue. We are called to strive to become wise, and that's what Proverbs shows us. We're going to look at that in two points. We're going to look at first the wisdom of Proverbs, because we have to understand what's being said here, what's being promised here. How do we look at these, these sayings? Are they commands? Are they promises? Are they mere suggestions? What do we do with them? Going through these messages, I go give credit where credit's due. A lot of the information I'm taking is from Professor Andrew Compton in his course that he taught us on wisdom. And showed us a lot of what wisdom is, so I'm borrowing a lot from him. Proverbs sets before us wisdom. Proverbs 1, verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That statement alone is a radical redefinition of what certainly our world would deem as knowledge. And it says it's the beginning of it. It means that without that piece in place, 
you will never be wise. Without that peace in place, wisdom is impossible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and it contains the idea of seeking God, doing what is right. This is what God tells us. This is what Proverbs tells us. Proverbs tells us what God hates, what God loves. Wisdom, then, is understanding. Wisdom is discernment, but it isn't just that. Wisdom is to have masterful understanding. Wisdom is to have skill and expertise in application. So though wisdom is more than knowledge, yes, it's inseparable from it. You need to know to be wise. But you take that a step further and apply it. It's skillful living. Wisdom is skillful living, skillful knowledge. And I could add to that a qualifier. It's morally skillful living. Morally skillful living means it's not just that you're good at life. It's that it's moral. It's in, it's in the commands of God. It's in keeping with his law. And it's his law applied, skillfully applying his law, skillfully applying his word to the many situations we face. We can say it in this way and understand what I mean when I say it. God's word isn't sufficient. Now what I mean there, I don't mean there, we talk about scripture as being sufficient. Scripture is sufficient for salvation. All that we need to know which to be saved is sufficiently taught therein and clearly so. What I mean by just saying it sort of more everyday, more common language, scripture isn't sufficient, is that it's not as if we can just take God's word in the verse and read it. It's applied. It's not that we just take God's word and know it. We need to, be, we need to understand how we can apply it, where God's word needs to be applied and how. That's the skillful element that wisdom has. So if I could give us a definition, and wisdom is a hard term to define, but here's uh, my, my, my crack at it, as we could say, my shot at defining this hard term in wisdom. Wisdom is morally governed, skillful knowledge, coming through a humble, sincere faith. Wisdom is morally governed, skillful knowledge, coming through a humble, sincere faith. We already talked about it's morally governed. It's governed by God's law, what is right and good. It's skillful, thus it's applied. And it's knowledge, it's what we must know. And this knowledge, skillfully applied, then means it's behavior. It's coming through, as I call it, a humble, sincere faith. You cannot be proud and be a wise man. That's clear in God's word and in Proverbs. And it must come then through a sincere faith. As we began, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If there's no fear of the Lord, that sincere faith you cannot be wise. That's why wisdom is morally governed, skillful knowledge coming through a humble, sincere faith. And that's the proper focus of wisdom. It's knowledge applied, taking what we know from God's word and being able to make sense of it in our own life. And that takes work to apply it. It takes us to know God's word. There's that knowledge element again. You can't be wise without knowing God's word. And thus, and thus be unable to apply what you don't know. No, we need to seek it. We need to know it. But interestingly enough, we see in our text all of these reasons for why you should know it. Why does Proverbs say we should know this? Verse 2, it says, For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Verse 4 says, You will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Verse 6, And God will make our paths straight. Verse 8, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. 
Verse 10, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. It seems the very motivation for this obedience is blessing. Is that wrong to say that? No, it's not wrong properly understood. We need to understand what these Proverbs are saying. Are they promises that most definitely be carried out, that must occur? Are they mere suggestions and advice? Or is this support of what we could call the health and wealth gospel? If you do these things, you will receive riches. You will receive your vats bursting forth with wine. You see, there is a dilemma with Proverbs. What do we make of it? What do we make of godly living? Will it automatically bring us blessing? There are several layers to answer that question. Proverbs should not be understood as a one-to-one do this and you must receive this blessing. Proverbs are expressions of wisdom and the normal way of things and even the general expectation of what will follow. Take the general command of wealth, honoring the Lord with your wealth. Wealth. That does not automatically mean that you will have full bank accounts and bursting wealth. But there is the general way of things that God will provide for our needs. There will be provision, possibly abundant provision, to those who live rightly with the right priorities. Using all that you have and your wealth in a God-honoring way will generally result in financial stability. It will generally result with a certain amount of provision and care. That is the way of things. That's the normal result. Does that mean it always must be so? Of course not. Just as true as that, there's the understanding that God, for his purposes, may cause his saints to go through scarcity, to go through hunger, where their vats are not full of wine, where they do not have abundant provision. And that's not a denial of what God's word says, that this is the general way of things You want provision and care, honor the Lord in your wealth. Walk in this way. And generally speaking, that is what God will give you. He will give you the blessings. There can be more to this than a literal fulfillment as well. Does it mean that we, in order for the the proverb to be fulfilled, that we will have the full bank account? Or does it mean that we will have what is considered a blessed life? You see, God does not always fulfill these these promises, these expectations the same way. He is very adept. He's very skilled at bestowing blessings in the way his people need, not always in the literal way he writes it in his word. But his word is conveying that principle that he will bless the people. This may not always be seen in these tangible gifts. And you see, we are trying to take the words of this text and apply it to our own life. There's also an end times dynamic to this. How does that factor in? Well, we may not receive all of this here on earth, but certainly when the world is set to rights, when all things are made new, the governance of Proverbs will be complete and absolute. There will only be blessing for God's people. These things will fully be achieved. And so you can see there's the qualifications in understanding what Proverbs is saying, and yet it still is the way of life. It still is the path to success. We understand what success really is. Fearing the Lord. Trusting in Him. Seeing His provision. You see, God created the world with a character consequence structure. And this is important that we understand this. Living according to the grain of the universe will lead to blessings, whereas folly will lead to disaster. Thus, we say that many Proverbs are not a promise per se, But we should affirm that there is something fundamentally right about them. 
There is something fundamentally right that a worker should reap much, that a diligent son should find blessing, that faithfulness should result in blessing. As one commentator said, it is not the intention of a proverb to yield guarantees or promises, but rather to point towards behavior that all things being equal would normally lead to desired ends. And that is what Proverbs is saying. No matter what happens in our life, we follow what the wisdom of Proverbs says, understanding God will reward and bless that as he sees right. And yet, built into the grain of this world itself is the wisdom of God. It's been corrupted through the curse. The curse and sin bar it. But we clearly see it, just as we, we just read. There is a grain. There is something fundamentally right about it. Those who work hard should be blessed. Those who follow instruction and honor their authorities should receive honor. And blessing. That is the way of things. That should be the way of things. And though at times we might see it not conform to the norm, that doesn't change the norm. That doesn't change that this is the operation of God's word, though at times it isn't as we would see it. All things are not equal now. The curse is at work. The wicked prosper at times. The wicked can shake their fists at God. They oppress the godly. People get sick. Their bodies become their worst enemies. Natural disasters endanger people. Man who was created to subdue the earth at times finds his own self subdued by creation. And to dust we return. That's the sadness of the corruption. And yet God's wisdom remains. When all things were equal, when God created the world and it was perfect, it functioned according to this rule, the, the, the blessings to his people. And that will be the case again when he comes again. Why did I say all that? I know it's a lot of qualifications and a lot of details because we need to understand Proverbs. We can't have a claim on God by saying, Lord, my bank account isn't full and I've acted this way. You've you failed. No, he didn't. We can't hold God to that, but we can praise God for here is our manual for life. Here is the recipe for success. And the success being service to the Lord that is morally skillful, that is upright and pleasing to him. And so this passage shows that it isn't the prosperity gospel. It isn't a one-to-one correlation. You can look at verses 11 to 12 of the text we read. They're clearly showing that among these things, we can expect the discipline of God. We can expect earthly sorrows, that he will use these for our good. This text is never saying that we will automatically receive it, but that this is the way to, to prospering. So we see that this is the wisdom of Proverbs. Now we turn more to the verses itself and the instruction of Proverbs. This is our second point, the instruction that Proverbs gives. In this chapter, you see a father. The father is not commanding obedience because he said so. He's giving counsel to his son. He is saying, do this because it will help you. The father is saying, my teaching alone can make you lie down in green pastures and beside still waters. And we see that first element of biblical wisdom here in what he says. The father talks about teaching commandments. My son, do not forget my teaching. Wisdom takes knowledge, teaching but let your heart keep my commandments. We follow in the way of the Father. They show us that it works. They show us that God, what God wants us to do. This is from the vantage point of the Father. 
And parents, you then should see here as well a recipe for how you are to train your children. This is the biblical model. It's a common portrayal of the wisdom in Proverbs of a father speaking to his son, of a mother instructing her children. We are to hear it and see it. It's troubling in our nation to see the breakdown of family communication. It's troubling to see how little parents know about their children and what their children believe and think. You aren't there to just instruct your children so that they behave the way you want. What are your kids thinking? You ask them their thoughts on things? What did you think about what we just saw? Was that good? Was that right? How would you have done that? That's the wise way of instructing. We're we're trying to instruct and mold characters. This is biblical wisdom. Again, it's that knowledge applied. It's not merely, I'm content, my kids do what I say. It's that desire, well, why are they doing what I say? What do they think about it? And so parents, have family dinners and talk. Talk to your kids. When you're driving around in the car, speak to them. Pick their brains. Show that understanding. Be what God is to us, the father of this text. Concerned with what they think, how they hear. Young people, you should be seeking this as well. Seeking the wisdom of your elders. Seeking the wisdom of your parents. Submitting to that, hearing their teaching and their instruction. They have many years of having applied knowledge of having applied the moral law of God, of seeing the consequences of actions. There's a lot to be gained. And thus, Proverbs is full of calls to listen to those who have their their wisdom, their age behind them, the instruction of these wise men. We are then called to grow in this way. But at the end of the day, though this is an instruction for how we should parent, at the end of the day, the Father giving this instruction is truly God himself. And thus we are all underneath this. We are all to hear it as instruction. No matter how old we are, we are to hear what he says and respond to it. At the end of the day, the Father is the giver of wisdom. He's the instructor of Proverbs. Christ is the very incarnation of wisdom. He is the word of God. And as verse 1 says, Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Verse 2 It says, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Heeding the wisdom of God does give peace to life. Even with everything we've already qualified it with, it does. I'll use the example of the prodigal son. The prodigal son did not heed instruction, did not heed moral behavior. Left and spent his wealth frivolously in compiling worldly friends and worldly pursuits. It would have ultimately ended with his premature death. It was not the way of peace. You see how that is an example for us to see? And we see it all around us. We don't need to just look at the prodigal son. There are plenty of examples of those we know where you see they are not acting according to what Proverbs says. They are not living as God's word says. And you see the upheaval in their life. You see how the decision and choices have ruined them, have led to their untimely demise, if not in death, in certainly the fact that their life is itself a living death. When following God's word, it's something far different. Following his word and his wisdom, there's peace. There's direction. There's blessing. No matter what we experience, we have that. We trust in him. Unwise, ungodly living would destroy and will destroy life. That's the way the universe works. 
wise and godly living leads to blessing. That's the way the universe works. That's the way God created it. Verse 3, it says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What this verse is saying is that part and parcel to what is the true instruction of the Father is steadfast love and faithfulness. Do not forsake it. Steadfast love and faithfulness is how God our Father operates to us. And we will never be forsaken by the steadfast love of our God. We will never be forsaken by Him. And so we're called then to bind what we see in God Himself onto our own selves and onto our own hearts. And that we would not then forsake it. That we would then walk in steadfast love and faithfulness. That these would be characteristics God has done for us and now we live According to those principles, that's just a part of the wisdom of God. Steadfast love, faithfulness, do not forsake them. Bind them on you. Let all your decisions be made according to your faithfulness, to your steadfast love to God. Make your decisions through that. That is how you weigh your choices. Think it that way. And so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. That's what verse 4 says in that promise. What is the favor of God that we find his blessings? A close walk with him, care, peace. All these things are what we want. You see, Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It's all about wisdom. And as we've already said, it's about the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. Now, this is really important. Remember, if the fear of the Lord is the part where we start, if we don't get that right, we've lost it all, and we can't have any of this, and you won't. But I want us to understand that this is not a different message than what we read in the New Testament. The New Testament may not speak much using the words, the fear of the Lord. But it does speak about what? Faith. You see, the fear of the Lord is not fundamentally different than faith. We can properly say and apply Proverbs to our life, the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is faith. The Bible paints two categories. You have the ignorant, you have the wise. And what first puts you in the category of the wise, you believe in the Son. It's not something you can boast in. It's not something that we have in ourselves, that we were fortunate and lucky and and skilled at finding out for ourselves. It was a gift. And it is a gift of wisdom itself. It also means that each of you here who has true faith in God, you are placed in the category of wise. Just because of that. Now before we get our big heads, we can realize we can still stumble in many foolish ways in our category of wisdom. But isn't that amazing? If the beginning of wisdom and knowledge is faith, the fear of the Lord, we are all in that. Trust in Him. Because we have that sure hope. We will not be put to shame. You know how many times the psalm says that? Lord, put me not to shame. I will not be put to shame. We are considered the wise because our beliefs, our faith, and our trust will not put us to shame. We will not be proven to be the fools at the end of the day because our true faith is in the true wise man, Christ himself. The incarnation of wisdom and placing our faith there and our fear of the Lord, the fear of him, his son, as we trust in him. We will be found on the final days in blessing. Is there any other way to categorize what's wisdom, what's foolishness? Is there something else to rejoice in in that we've been given a wisdom so far beyond us that we would not see? 
God has chosen the foolishness of preaching, the foolishness of the gospel, to shame the wise of the world. Those who think they have it figured out, no, they will be put to shame. They have clung to what will not hold them, and so they are fools. Putting your trust in what is weak is foolish, but we put our trust in what is strong, what is Christ. And so we should not speak as if the fear of the Lord is something different than faith. When we come to Christ and take his yoke, receiving the Spirit, which is from God, this is the equivalent of fearing the Lord, and it's summarized in that word, faith. Christ is wisdom itself, and thus the beginning of wisdom being the fear of the Lord implies the beginning of wisdom is faith in Christ. James 1, 5 and 6 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Including your prayers, a petition that you would gain wisdom, you would understand how to apply God's word to your heart, that you would desire to live according to it, that you would be wise. And I would also add this, add to that prayer that you would be so wise and so humble that you know not your wisdom. That you see yourself as someone who's been given it. That you don't see yourself as a wise man. There's a certain amount of ignorance there that is a profound blessing. And the men and women that you find that are truly the most wise are those who don't believe it of themselves, who are humble, because they direct all their attention, all their knowledge to God's word, and so they don't take it as their own. They know it's been given to him. But God promises to give wisdom to those who ask. So let's ask for it. He blesses us with it. God cannot be feared or known outside of Christ, and thus the confession of faith in Christ is the highest expression of wisdom that we can make. All the particulars of wise living in Proverbs, like being a good worker, disciplining your children, holding your tongue, they are themselves what is befitting the one who makes that confession of faith in Christ. This is how those who trust in God should act. This takes knowledge. We must know who we fear, why, and how we fear him but it isn't knowledge alone. And so as we end today, we understand that to truly fulfill the fear of the Lord demands we take the knowledge and act upon it in faith. And that's why true blessing comes to those who hear. Fear. We hear the Lord. We fear Him. We obey Him. We have reverential awe for Him. And thus, the way of wisdom begins with instruction building on the understanding that true blessing comes to those who hear and fear. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father Almighty, we praise you as you are truly the dispenser of wisdom. All wisdom is merely a showing of who you are and of your being. We praise you for the very fabric of creation itself that operates according to these principles. And we praise you as well for the understanding that you've given us in your word that this does not automatically mean we will receive exactly what is said in your word, but we will receive what you promise. You will provide, you will bless in your perfect ways. And we see as well in Proverbs the manual for our living. We would pray, and we pray, that each of us here would be given wisdom. Add to us knowledge that we can apply in our hearts. Give us understanding. Give us greater faith. Let us see the wisdom of God, and even in ourselves. May we operate according to that. May we seek and hunger for true wisdom. 
that we might know how to live, to be a blessing to others, and to, be, to bring you glory. We ask this in Christ's name.